Interesting weekend ahead because it is the one, the one weekend where Von Palmer will be doing something he doesn't normally do. He's going to be watching a sporting event. In fact, it's the one time of year he does it because the Indy 500 is only once a year. Vaughn, are you ready for this? Oh, I just edge of my seat. I've been building up for this uh, for weeks, reading the advanced news on it. I even watched qualifying last weekend. So, yeah, this is uh, this is my big sporting event of the year. It's all downhill after this. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's, it's the part of the puzzle that makes up Vaughn Palmer to me, where I think you don't watch sports, but you watch. What is it about the Indy 500? That so you I've been doing this for almost 60 years. In fact, I was thinking, because uh, I heard you mention it, about the very first time. And uh, so I was in, like, school in in Quebec in sort of grade nine, I think. And a friend of mine and I were both car geeks, and we really wanted to follow the race. But the problem was the race uh, that in those days, uh, was on an American holiday, Memorial Day, but it wasn't a holiday in Canada. So, and it was our time. We had to fo- to listen to it during the day while we were in school. So we hooked up a transistor radio. This is probably more detail than you want, but anyway, we hooked up a transistor oh, radio, and he listened with his hand up over his ear so the teacher wouldn't know what was going on. And we passed <laughs> notes back and forth all day about how the race was going. It was a very, very exciting race. We got away with it. We didn't get caught. And here I am, as I said, almost 60 years later, still following the Indy 500. I absolutely love it. See, I love hearing these kinds of stories. All right, well, we know you're going to be busy, so let's talk about COVID-19 then. We can ask you about the Indy on Monday. Uh, So some good news, I would say, we heard yesterday. Yeah, a lot of good news. Uh, I mean, the, the, the supplies are coming through now, and we're moving up second doses. Well, I cut the interval from 16 weeks down to eight, and people are already getting the notices. I've heard from someone who's in one of the high-risk groups, got in a notice, um, going to get a date uh, maybe as early as next week. Uh, I think 400,000 people are already moved up and vaccinations start next week. So that's all good news, uh, I will say, uh, given the anxieties out there that I still see. Uh, it's a good thing. Those second doses can't come soon enough, given what's going on. Well, take the UK, for example, where they've had a surge of cases, what, highest numbers in six weeks. They're worried about one of these variants. And, you know, variants, see, Dr. Henry acknowledges as well, they're cause for concern. We have to keep watching. Yeah, they sure are. Okay, so there's still some concerns out there, right, about uh, what about the people who got the AstraZeneca vaccine? Yeah, you know, it's going to be really interesting, actually, uh, for the listener on NW to hear uh, Mike Smith and Keith Baldry this morning when, when they do their regular spot because both of those guys got AstraZeneca and we they still we still don't know. They still don't know. Um, when are they going to get the second dose, right? You got, you got AstraZeneca as well, didn't you? I did, yeah. Yeah, I so did. here's, you know the problem. Um, Pfizer, there's plenty of supply. If you got Moderna, there's some supply for that, and those two can be switched, so they're covered. But with AstraZeneca, at the moment, there isn't enough supply, and the research is not conclusive yet on whether or not, if, you, if, if there is no AstraZeneca, they can give you a second dose of something else. Dr. Henry is optimistic, but it's not definitive yet, and she said you're going to have to wait. She promised yesterday there will be enough vaccine. 
when it's needed, but we're not going to get the rollout on that until um, earliest next week. So, yeah, there is some anxiety there of the people who got AstraZeneca. As I said, Dr. Henry tried to be as reassuring as she could be yesterday, but it's still a question mark. So, I don't know, Simi, you worried? No, I'm not, actually, because I figure they'll get it done, right? I know they've been holding back some supplies, and, and yeah. I know there's not a, they're not using it anymore, so I figure they'll, they must be able to get enough for the couple of hundred thousand people, right, who got it in this province. Yeah, and I mean, the Americans, the last thing I saw, a warehouse is full of stuff they're not using. So, yeah, it, it, it should be possible to get it lined up, and it is also, there's research being done in the UK about what they call mixing uh, uh, vaccines. So within within a week or two, we may have definitive word that if they don't have AZ, uh, they can substitute Pfizer, and it looks as if there'll be plenty of Pfizer. Right, and there's still we have to remind people again, too, that if they're not registered uh, on the system, they've got to register. Yeah, you know, and I've, I've heard a lot of this, and I think the first thing is that people who got vaccinated before the system kicked in in April at the beginning of April may not realize they do need to still register to get noticed. Um, The other thing, and I've already heard from people, I'm sure you have too, who go, okay, well, you know, it's supposed to be eight weeks. Well, I'm at nine weeks. When do I get my notice? So the notices are going on out based on risk. The first risk is age, so if you're over 70. Second risk is what they call clinically vulnerable. Um, Those are medical conditions. There's a menu of them, uh, and it depends on whether or not you're regarded as high risk or very high risk, and indigenous people, because those communities have all kinds of medical issues that are, on average, that make them risky. So... Uh, the first 400,000 notices are going out that way. But the other thing she said, Simi, yes, is uh, get registered and everybody will get vaccinated sooner than the original plan, which was up good, to good. 16 weeks. Good. Okay, so let's talk about something other than that. Let's talk about finances. Yeah, uh, good news for the NDP government, mostly. Anyway, yesterday from the big credit rating agency, Moody's, uh, they weighed in. Uh, they rate the government every year. Uh, BC has enjoyed a very high credit rating for a long time, usually the best in Canada among provinces. Uh, BC got dropped a notch yesterday, so to AA1 from AAA, uh, it may mean in the long run uh, you pay a little bit more for borrowing. But the main thing this is, is is a comparative rating with other provinces. We're still doing better than most provinces. And an outlook that goes down the road. So... What Moody said was, BC still has a stable rating. They dropped them a notch because the debt load is growing. But they only dropped them a notch and said the rating is still, the outlook is still stable because Moody's is confident that, first of all, BC has lots of room for debt because the New Democrats inherited a low debt. And second of all, Moody's, this is, this is the biggest vote of confidence for the Horgan government. Moody's believes, based on what they've seen, that the Horgan government will be taking steps to restabilize provincial finances and maintain uh, the position that gives us a good credit, credit rating. So, you know, that's, that's a vote of confidence in the Horgan government. 
But these credit rating agencies can be pretty merciless. If you don't live up to their expectations, they stop dropping. They start dropping your credit rating, right. and we'd be dropped more. So you know. But as I said, in the in the current situation, this is an important boost of confidence in the Horgan government. All right. Well, we'll talk to you on Monday, Vaughn. Have a good weekend. Bye, bye, Sim.